Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, my name's Adam from Toronto, Ontario. And I subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon because I feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people in the industry who are able to consistently get the kind of quality interviews out of very diverse subjects of many creative stripes and disciplines, as Vish does pretty well on every episode of the podcast. It's a no-brainer to me that I want to support this when you factor that in to uh, all of the bonus content you get on Patreon and you know, it's a listener-supported podcast, so uh, I want to keep the uh, great content coming. So that's why you should also support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Jarvis is a talented and resourceful multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, producer, and singer who calls Montreal home. Originally from Alberta, Jarvis recently released a new album called Sundry Rock Song Stock, which he recorded entirely outdoors. The acclaimed album is available via Flemish Eye in Canada and Anti Records worldwide, and Jarvis and I connected for a talk about it recently. Uh, We also talked about his affection for a tree museum, the unique manner in which he made sundry rock song stock, why he does not write topical songs, his new band with his partner Romy Lightman, other future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at MasseyHall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Chad Van Galen, 
plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 581st episode of Creative Control, featuring the amazing Eve Jarvis with your host, me, Vishkana. How's it going? Good. How are you, Vish? I'm well. I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for asking. Where in the world are you? I'm in Ontario, a couple hours north of Toronto, um, at the beautiful Tree Museum. Tree is, Museum? Uh, Where is that? It's uh, just outside of Gravenhurst. Um, ah. And uh, it's just this beautiful outdoor sculpture uh, destination. What is with you in the outdoors? This is all the language and, and biographical information about your new record, Sundry Rock Song Stock. Was a, you're like an outdoors person now? Has that always been the case? Do you like the outdoors a lot? Well, my spirit has always been uh, so inclined, but uh, I have just this space. I've been here for the last three years, and I'm very uh, attached to it. So I, I uh, uh, my walls have come down. That's Literally. good? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. So... So, sorry, you live in this Gravenhurst area now? Well, I've spent the last three summers here with Rome. We've been working here in residence, basically, since uh, since we've been together. Oh, okay. So what do you? What does that mean? Like artistic residence? Kind of like art, artist in yeah, residence? Yeah, yeah, I'm just of? recording uh, recording my ass off. That's what that means. That's, that's awesome. That yeah. sounds good. See, I think of you as, uh, well, I mean, you live all over the place. Uh, but I think of you as kind of a Montreal person, uh, and I guess I didn't clue in. I think we've spoken in the last three years, uh, but I just didn't clue in. So you've been in Ontario uh, most of the time. Do you do you recall what prompted that move from? I mean, yes, it was. Is that correct? Is that trajectory correct? Montreal to Ontario. Well, yeah, I'm still like uh, you know, I'm still based out of Montreal. I like uh, you know, most of the pandemic, I was in Montreal this year. Uh, um, and I came here July, which is a little later than we usually come here because we can only spend the, the the months when it when when you know when the snow the road that's not maintained makes it inaccessible. So, oh, we can only spend the 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 warm months here, the fall and the the summer, bit of the spring. But we came later than usually usual because of the pandemic, and I was I was in Montreal, and uh, I still think you know I I mean I don't know how lo- I don't know how long I'll be based in Montreal anymore, but I but un- up until now I would have considered myself you know considered that being the the home base while you know i'm still here half the year maybe but uh i love the land here so uh, i'm comfortable so so the move the transition sounds like it was pandemic related however you've moved from quebec which is the province in canada with the most cases of covid19 uh to ontario uh, which is the second, like the province with the second highest number of cases, 
I'm calling you from Alberta, where you're from originally, yeah. and I live now, and I we have the third most oh, is that right? uh, cases. Yeah, so well, I've got to be top three. I'm very competitive. Wait a minute. maybe I could be wrong about that. Maybe British Columbia... British Columbia was high at one point. I'd have to... I'm not really tracking this as yeah. much because it makes me nuts, but I... Yes, it, it has been... Uh, yeah, so anyway, my, let's go back to you. You moved from... Was it pandemic-related, this move to Ontario? And, and the fact that you say you may not go back to Montreal, is that pandemic-related in any way? No, no. I've just like developed a real attachment to this kind of... Uh, what do you call it? The shield. Um, ah. The rock is just amazing. And I just plan on probably spending the better part of my days here. I mean, maybe not specifically at the Tree Museum, but otherwise just keeping my... I don't know, my options open for, for, for you know, a move, a permanent move somewhere on in this okay. uh, area. Yeah. that That's cool. Now, what is the distinction? Like, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around a tree museum because when I walk into a forest or a jungle, I feel like I'm in a tree museum. It's all the old trees. They're old. They're on display. That, to me, is a tree museum. That's you're right. Saying that's... There's some, there's, you're saying there's some kind of building you're in or a structure that is taken the outdoor tree museum and turned it into an indoor tree museum? Is that what you're saying? I think I'm in the only place here that isn't isn't the tree museum, which is this cabin. Um, so you're right. The forest is the tree museum, and um, there are pieces in it. There's there's uh, these you know kind of large scale, some smaller, but there's, there's some pretty large carvings and structures and uh, just beautiful uh, things to hike to. And around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So is there like uh, prehistoric trees? Is there like artwork that was made by trees? Is there like, uh, you know, tree warriors on display and sort of some sort of taxidermy thing? What's going on inside of the tree museum generally? I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. Well, right now, the colors are brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the show. That's the main attraction right now. That's the okay. uh, that's the uh, exhibition for the fall. But otherwise, permanently, there's... Uh, like I said, all sorts of uh, metalwork and stone carving, and and uh, there's like a, just structures all over the place. Yeah, it sounds cool. Like it, it sounds cool, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but there is part of me that wonders if there's like a whole alternate tree universe, and a, and a tree museum captures all the history of this alternate tree universe. So, like, there's a display about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And the the uh, the perpetrator was Tree Harvey Oswald. You know what I mean? Like that's what's in my head. I kind of like the idea that trees just had their own thing going, and it's similar. To, it's like a parallel universe. I like that. Don't you? Don't you like the idea that trees? That is the case. That? Yeah, that is. I guess it is kind of the case. Okay, so I alluded to the. I alluded to this, uh, and you said it's your natural state. But you did you not make your latest record ostensibly outside? Is that correct? Yeah, I recorded the the foundational elements of this album outside the guitar the roads uh, a lot of the synth with basically my entire studio at the time just outside every day every day almost rain or shine i had a plastic uh you know i had a tarpaulin ready to go just recording outside all day every day okay. last last year yeah and um with that you know it it I was approaching the music differently, so it it made for um, I don't know. I don't know if I had anticipated. Uh, I mean, it was definitely my intent to have a, a project ready 
uh, by this time. But the thing that really propelled it forward was that change of uh, pace uh, from working outside. Hmm. Okay. Mm. So what does that? When I listen to your record, uh, I don't necessarily hear the amb- like. I mean, there's all there's all sorts of ambience on your recordings. Generally, would you agree? Yeah. Okay. So does the does the outdoor framework of this recording? Do you feel like like I listen to it and I don't hear the outside as much as I would think, given that the majority of it, if not all of it, was made outside? How does the outside inform this record sonically? Uh, maybe even in your approach to uh, you know themes, lyrical themes. Do you have a sense of that? Yeah, um, it it definitely, like, there's definitely, um, like I said, a pace that uh, is kind of easy to tap into, you know, if you leave, you know, you leave, you leave a little space for it. I think when people leave space, a certain kind of space in the studio, I think they're just compensating for the fact that they're in a controlled environment like that. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway, that's my experience when I go outside, the element of control and that is eliminated. The lack of that um, completely influences my playing and uh, allows me to maybe hold things down in a way that I'm more impelled to open things up otherwise. You, you mentioned space there in this context. What is space in the studio as it relates to space, outdoor space, I guess, what is your definition of space there or a distinction of space between an indoor space? Sorry, I keep saying space. Between an indoor studio and an outdoor studio, how does space sort of relate to what you were just talking about? I, I guess it just, um, it's like a matter of um, navigating the the framework or the, the room. Like, I feel like I, it's a question of that because for me, I'm like mm. approaching or trying to project something. And um, the music that is laid down and recorded is the result of how I navigate my way towards that. So space is just a metric. It's a metric. Yeah, it's like how I measure, just as like in the same way that space is measured realistically, it, it plays the same role. It has the same weight in in production for me so just so i can get a clear handle on this is the space on a song of yours the space between instrumentation the space between your voice the space between what you're singing and the soundscape is that maybe i I know i gave a few different examples of what space could mean but is that no it's closer to what it's not quite literally like proximity of like the sounds Okay. It's like um, it's it's really like an approach, and it's like really like the decisions that I'm making is how I would define mm. space. Okay. Yeah. So exactly where what so you set up outside? Where exactly did you set up outside in relation to your home, or you know where did you actually set up? Was it a, a park near your house, or was it was it out in a, a? Did you drive out to some you know get out to some forest area? Where did you no actually see do like this? I would never do that. I would never do that because like I'm. I record, you know, first thing. I mean, I, I'm, I try not to be precious about it, and that's something I, I, re- I really try to, av- I really try to avoid being precious about creative endeavors. So, 
um, I need to be able to be right next to the studio at all times. So I'm not going, that's why I don't go to studios. That's why I don't go, you know, that's why I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, I have to record where I'm at. I have to record where I wake up. So I would set up just right outside the house where I am here, right outside this cabin. So there's just so much space for, okay. you know, so many options. Like I would just set up on, you know, I, I obviously need power. So I would uh, just uh, chain as many extension cords as I could to see how far I could get. Not very far, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, plenty of, uh, you know, four, I had four sides. So I was on the, I was on each side of the house. Okay, so we ta- I think we talked about this last time in terms of uh, how the, one of the reasons you don't you you didn't at the time really love touring is because it just impeded your ability to record when inspiration struck. Is that is that accurate? Is that an accurate? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, and I acknowledge that that could change. Like with technology, like I you know I I, I try I go I, when I was in Europe I was traveling on a bus and I was like oh I could absolutely have an entire studio in this and be comfortable. But then it would be like, I don't know. I mean, there's some just something about travel that makes it so that I'm so averse to touring. It's travel in itself. Um, but hmm. but yeah. Yeah, because I think we talked about whether or not you could record in a van. Yeah, uh, like I could it, make it happen and I could and that would be like a band-aid for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this sort of goes back or, or rather that conversation, I think um, it, it has some bearing on this notion of preciousness that you talk about, how you yeah. don't. Do you know where that stems from, though? Like, did you have experiences in studios where everyone was taking it so seriously and overthinking things? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of delve into what your notion of preciousness is in relation to recording, um, well, because I do, I know you rely on your impulses and your instincts, and and some of your songs are, they're songs in the moment that they arrive. Like you, you start going, and that's the song, right? Yeah. So uh, I wonder how that your creative impulse relates to the preciousness of capturing it, if you will. Can you speak to that? Yeah, well, I just think that, you know, the problem for me has never been that people take things too seriously. It's always been the the opposite for me. It's that um, music is often approached and compartmentalized. It's often compartmentalized from people's lives. So people, you know, without generalizing, I feel like for the most part, um, music is not engaged with um, with the intensity uh, and with the focus that um, that it deserves, but with that comes, you know, when, like I say, trying to get away from that that preciousness. What I mean is that compartmentalization is that is that putting music in a box somewhere that is something to to do, and it's and it's um, somewhere to be, and it's uh, people to collaborate with. Um, and it's things that you want to say, but for me, it's like, it's my life. So, um, I don't say anything that's worth anything, you know, this, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you know, I, you know, uh, I don't want to devalue this interview, but, uh, nothing that I say can even scratch the surface of what I, uh, of what I articulate in my music. So for me, I can't be like, Oh, I want to write a song about this. I have to just attack it, you know, just attack it. How do I feel? You know? Where am I, and how do I feel? That's all I'm asking myself, and then uh, just translating that with the with the mediums. Okay, I can appreciate that. First of all, though, I, I do need to defend this interview uh, <laughs> because no, I think I love it, talking. No, I, I I love talking to you, and I it's not uh, that I 
yeah, I, I understand what you're saying sometimes. Uh, and I, I rather, I understand what you're saying in this instance that nothing you can say will properly articulate the passion you have for music uh, on some ha- on some level, and also the 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 impulsive nature of it. Like you have an idea, there's no point in waiting around for a studio booking to get it down. Right. If you have the means to get it down, like that moment that you have the idea is just in, as integral to the song as when we get to hear it and when you get to record it. Like it's all part of the thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And there's just right. there's an energy that dissipates exponentially as you as you over as you as you scrutinize your your creative work. Um, the, it is drained of its potency, you know. Um, so that's all I'm trying to do is is integrate my practice into my life, like to such a degree that um, it's a one to one conversation. Does it does it make you impatient to uh, have these artistic impulses and? not impatient does it give, fill you with urgency that you need if you have an idea and your practice is generally to capture those ideas as they're happening and and let them live that little life that you've you know you've you've frozen them in time you had the idea as soon as you possibly can you you freeze it in time on some level is there an urgency like have people been around you at the movies and you're like oh my god i have an idea i have to leave I have to go now. Like, I, are you that kind of person? Like, do you need to do it immediately? Is that no, your deal? I mean, I'm so you know, I'm so rarely like it's so rarely do I tear myself away from that environment anyway, where I can just do that. That like, so when I do, it's like I, you know, it's you know the downside of all of this that I'm saying of all this, this this tandem that I feel with this with my creativity is that uh, my my social life suffers and um, I don't make time you know, to be available or to really like just uh, engage with the world in a way that is outside of, of that. I don't know. Like I, I, Mm. is that, is that healthy? Is this, this is a compulsion. No, no. And like, I, I, I'm working on that now. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like be more present because uh, I've funneled all of my presence and all of my understanding of being into having those conversations and those dialogues like with myself. So you know, as I as I get older, I realize that there's you know I've, I've, I'm just amazed that there's more to life than than music, and uh, I'm exploring that. <laughs> okay, so you and I are speaking on a telephone. I believe uh, it's a landline uh, right now, right? Yeah. But do you now have? Uh, I think you were saying this before we started rolling. Do you now have your own personal cellular mobile phone? Just got one. Yeah. And does it have? Is it an um, one created by the company Apple? No, but you know, I do have like an iPod. I do have like an iPod that I use for Instagram and all this. You know. Okay. Um. So I've got Apple products. You know, I'm a modern man. I appreciate that. I I, yeah. I think of you as ultra modern, if that makes any <laughs> sense. It's sort of a being that transcends time and space. But I feel like you're more futuristic than than you know whatever. But my point here <laughs> is this, and I don't know if you've explored this at all already okay let me put it this where i'm going with this you could probably tell is that these phones and these ipods have a voice memo recording thing on them yeah and i've talked to a lot of songwriters i just read a book by a songwriter and he talks about how the voice memo thing has changed 
his creative process because as soon as he has an idea in a hotel room, uh, you know, at a soccer game with his kids, whatever, he can yeah. just hum it into his phone or play guitar. If he has like an idea for a guitar part or, or a piano part, he can play it into his phone and then he revisits yeah. it later as part of an exercise. Are you a, so my questions are twofold. One, have you explored this with the phone or the iPod or whatever you have now? And two, are you a demo person? Because I don't know that you are that. I feel yeah, like the no, things, I, you're, the things we're hearing from you on your records feel like first thoughts on some yeah. level. So you're not a demo person generally, yes? No, I really don't. I don't have patience for a demo. I don't have patience for like, uh, but it, it's more than that too. It's, it's really like, to me, like I said, all uh, with every consideration, um, a significant, um, a significant amount of the, uh, of just that purity is is lost from the uh, statement. So sure. for me to 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 have a, a song that I can then reference and remake is like a nightmare, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. There's a lot of value to that, you know. In, to, in the sense, in the, in, in, I can feel like in the sense of of allowing things to marinate. Like on this record, I did let things marinate for like a lot longer than I ever have, just because, like I said, I was lacking the gear to make the record with the instrumentation that I desired. You know, last when I laid these beds down last year, and I was also exploring like you know the synth and whatnot. But otherwise, the idea is like always to get back to the source. You know, so um, mm. that 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 just becomes harder and harder. You know, like I always I always mention the Neil Young quote: "When you're thinking, you're stinking." <laughs> well, that's fair, but you some people are, and Neil Young is an example. He might have a germ of an idea, but generally, he has a band he has to bring the idea to and translate. So they all have to kind of interpret the idea that he has, and then together they kind of translate into something we're all going to hear. You generally yeah. tend to work on your own in terms of your recordings, right? This is all you? Yeah, all me playing, um, all me um, mixing, and uh, all the production is me, except for uh, some additional engineering from uh, a good friend of mine who's who's worked uh, on my last record, too, uh, Mark Lawson. Right, Mark, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so, okay, so you're really just up against yourself. Uh, you know, you don't have to sort of show and prove what you've done to your band or other people. And I guess I wonder if that, I mean, except, in, in, and then live is a whole other thing. Live is also kind of, it's in the moment stuff too. It's a little, there's a slight improvisation to your live show too, right? Yeah. Um, it's important for me to, in the same sense of, of what I was saying, it's like, it's almost got the inverse approach in performance is that in order to get to the source live, um, I have to toy with the, uh, with the framework. Or within the framework, like I, I should say. I can't. I can't recall if, like, I say improvise. I say improvisation, but like, you're not married. Your songs have like a. They can anyway, and I want to get to this because I feel like there's a bit of a shift on this record. You mentioned you let things marinate a bit longer and think of like you know, you didn't just go with your first thought. You thought about things a little bit. I think, and I, where I was going with that is that I feel like there are more solid and accessible song structures here uh, than maybe some of your past work. Mm -hmm. And I want to get to that in a moment. But live, when you have been able... It's odd for us to be talking about live music, I assume, for you too at this point because there's not a lot of it going around because yeah. of the pandemic. But but 
from what my experience seeing you live the few times I have, it felt like things were, you, you probably had a plan, but it felt like things were ha- happening in the moment that surprised even you. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh, I love getting surprised on stage. Like, I think, uh, yeah, I love it. I love being lost in my own song. I love that. Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's just, it's just fantastic. You know, life is so fucking boring. I, you know, I'm, I want to be <laughs> excited. I want to be um, surprised. Um, uh, but, you know, I say that, you know, I think life is, uh, you know, magical and magnificent as well. But uh, so, so this surprising you, but again, like you're sort of surprising your, it's like the songs have their own entity. Or are yeah. their own little... They, do you think of them as li- like little organisms, so to speak? Yeah, well, I don't really feel like... I don't really feel like, like you know, I don't write my songs and I don't really do anything but record them. Like, everything that's, everything that's on... Every track that's on a song of mine is, you know, partially improvised and among... And, 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 and I had the idea within the hour that it was recorded. Um, hmm. so and this is purposeful. This is a purposeful sort of stance you've taken or or just a, a methodology you've employed. It has to be you're not going to overthink this on some level. Like getting back to the preciousness thing about recording studios, you've kind of applied this to your art as a creator as well. Yeah. Well, it's like instead of using my head, I'm going to use my body. I'm going to feel feel what is relevant, feel what is, what needs to be said, you know? I mean, and it's not even what needs to be said by me. And it's not even, going back to what you're saying about organisms, it's like, I don't, I don't impose my will on this music. This music is, you know? And it always was. And whatever form that takes, um, you know, all music is, is, is in the air for anybody to grab, you know? And I just grab this shit, you know? So it's not like I'm, I'm not putting my, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it there. <laughs> You're not putting your own kind of uh, parameters on something. It's or, or something. You're not. You're not imposing your own will upon the songs, except that they're your songs. Is that? Yeah. And the music. Th- what I mean by that is that the music is just begging, you know, for a very specific feeling. It's begging for a feeling. It's not. You know. It's not. A- you know. Music is not asking me for my opinion. Music is not mm. asking me for. Um, for, for for my opinion really so it's it's just uh it's just just begging for 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 very specific feeling and so my job is to translate that you know however i want because like i said these this music is out there for anybody you know you, when you write a song you just wrote it before somebody else so um that's fair i feel like the yeah. subtext of what we're discussing is kind of a kind of editing right. uh like songwriters do it. So when you do a demo, then you take it to the band and then you make the, what ends up being on the record you put out in the public, the, the kind of trajectory there is a lot of editing. Let's just use the term editing. It can be all sorts of things, but let's call it editing. And so on some level, that refinement process, uh, you kind of, when you go to perform live, most artists will try to honor that refinement process by saying, okay, let's play the version that we landed on because there must right. be something to that. But then I think about your work and I think about people. People tend to change. People tend to progress. And in a sense, we're all these 
I don't want to sound like a I'm in a lifetime movie here making a speech, but in a sense, we're all these kind of rough drafts living our lives and things happen and we edit ourselves. We change, we evolve. And sometimes that means we can't relate to the way we used to be. And the things we didn't maybe think about enough, now we think about enough. Your songs, your catalog of music reflects time and space for you as an individual, but they are instantaneous kind of thoughts on some level, instantaneous kind of impulses and creative outbursts. So I wonder, as you've grown and changed, because that refinement didn't occur or what have you, and this this is where the argument kind of gets on shaky ground, because I'm sure there's art, there are artists who have gone through what I'm talking about, the editing process, so to speak, and then also cannot relate to their younger selves or their, you know, the selves that created those things. But mm. for you, as someone who is almost always presenting impulsive ideas to the world, does this, and also in a live setting, they change, they surprise you. Do you ever have difficulty relating to your earlier work because it's not you anymore and it didn't go through a kind of process of thinking about it, pondering it on some level? Sorry, that was a long-winded and perhaps <laughs> unclear question, but do you see where no, I'm I coming from? Your, I'm following yeah. I'm following. Yeah, I I actually do relate a lot to my there's a there's a clear marker for me. Um when I was 16, I really started experimenting with music. Um like I'm saying, music just walking really arm in arm with the work and really putting the time in to have as little between an idea and a recording as possible. So okay. when I, so when I started the Unblonde project, the first full length I put out was called Tenet. And that is where my marker, that's where the marker for me is of like the relevance to my body of work, to my greater catalog is that I, 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 that, that from then on is I'm, 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 I'm very content with that speaking for my trajectory. Okay. And because, you know, the thing about it is that it, it goes back to, it's all just approach. So like I was getting at, you know, with, with a different set of, with a different level of ability and with a different um, instrumentation and maybe with different intentions and with different stories to, you know, want to, want to mold um, really getting at the exact same thing always. Like, I feel like my, I feel like I'll always be getting at the same thing. And I hear that when I listen to my, my work from 2014 to now Um, I'm always trying to say the same thing. Yeah. Do you have a sense of particular, uh, lyrical themes that run throughout this new record, Sundry Rock Song Stock, because if they're of a time of, and like, I think we have a, a sense from your work that it's something internal that's coming out. Um, obviously, I mean, it's like a personal expression, and we're learning little bits about you. Um, but I also wonder if your time and space sort of work reflects the larger world around you. I mean, as we're speaking, I know this record was made before, likely, I'm going to guess here, likely before a pandemic and likely uh, before we were more, our sense of how deeply troubling police violence and, you know, what and and social unrest and and how important the Black Lives Matter movement has been and should be uh, at front of mind for so many of us. I assume most of these songs were kind of written and recorded 
prior to this collective experience. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I was done the record for the most part uh, before... Uh, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. The content, lyrically, a lot of the content was... I was writing in, I was writing it in March of this year. Oh, um, okay. So it was right in the, the beginning stages of this. Yeah, but like my springboards are... Um, you know, I've got a long list of, you know, I had maybe a hundred bullet points that I wanted to mention. And that's pretty much the majority of the lyrics that you hear. So like I have these springboard phrases and words that are all on the on the record. There's like maybe, I don't know, you know, every line has one of these words or every line is, you know, from this list. So okay, it was all really, it was all written in the past, but it was like put together, uh, put together uh, this year. Yeah. Just like, just ahead of knowing how serious the various things I've talked about were going to get, I, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I mean, I was done with the record before. Um, like, I was, I was, I was glad. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not. I can't write about things that are. I can't write topically, you know. So if things are being t- spoken about, I can't like. It won't. It won't find its way into my music. So, the fact that I'm talking about maybe certain relevant things now is indicative of the fact that um, they did those. 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 Those things didn't come to be in in this time. Um, right. So, topically, yeah. generally, would mean like, did Eve Jarvis write a song about you know Donald Trump or like the Black <laughs> Lives Matter movement or this or that? I understand that that's one sense of what topically means. But if you, as a, a artist, are in the moment each day. Every song is you in that moment. I guess I wonder how much, and you're saying like you had a list of springboard ideas, but I guess I wonder how that's, that list and your general thought, pro- like your general mood and, and feelings, uh, how that intersects with what is going on externally in the wider world. I mean, if you've woken up and read the paper, so to speak. I mean, who reads a paper anymore? But you know what I mean? If you read the news and then you go about your day and part of your day is going to be writing a song, how light, and like I understand the the impulse to not be, not tie yourself to a topical subject matter because it might date the song quite literally, but surely the stuff that we're all living through, you're a person living among us. That stuff sort of, does enter your work, I'm guessing, yes? Yeah, but only in the sense that I'm like a mirror, so um as we all should hmm. be. So it's 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 um you know I'm I it there's as it's like very subconscious for me. Very are you averse are you averse like I kinda led you down this road and I don't mean to. Are you <laughs> averse to writing a truly like here's how I feel about a thing that's happening now in the world? Are you averse to being that kind of songwriter? To me, yeah, to me, that's like just heavy handed in itself. And it's like nothing constructive comes from being so blunt. You have to be a little bit more um, subtle and nuanced, I think, in your conversation in order to really spark a constructive dialogue. You know, Um, if that's what art is getting at, then like I don't want to be heavy handed in any way. Like I don't want to address anything. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I want people to draw, like I want people to hear lines that stick out to them in their circumstance. And then years later, hear a new line that sticks out to them in that new circumstance. And meanwhile, I'm talking about, you know, something completely separate from that or 
whatever you know so it yeah. i i really i really don't i don't look at writing as a as a as an outlet it's just just like music it's just a tool for evoking um feelings for people uh wherever they may be you know wherever they may they might find themselves so you've got about an hour long deadline to capture a musical idea is the melody swimming around in your head much prior to that hour so to speak no i'll force myself it's like a meditation where i'll just center myself and really confront how i'm feeling and um there's no will and there's no idea (laughs) you know (laughs) that's fascinating okay so let's go back to what i was i'm trying to get to the sound of this new record in particular um i noticed what i think are some sort of differences, distinctions uh, on the song structures here than maybe some of your past work. I obviously think it's part of the, it's part of your trajectory. I don't think it's too far off, but would you agree? Like it does feel like there's more, I don't want to say pop necessarily, but there's like a sense of like real sturdy structures here that um, I, I noticed it. What do you make of that? Is there something informing the particular approach you took to structuring yeah. these songs? Well, I was particularly influenced by the tour that I mentioned uh, I did in Europe with Aldous Harding and um, just the way that she manages to navigate her music with, like, going back to space. I mean, she's just... And and, and, and I am using the term in... in in reference to proximity here, because the way that she engages with the music is is with a with a patience that like I I had I haven't uh, explored, and I see the I see how effective that is to say certain things and to convey certain ideas and emotions. I saw the impact that this openness had on on people who I don't know. People who by, op- by openness by by openness do you mean kind of willful inclusivity? I do feel like if you make a song, just the way people are programmed to process music, if you make a song that has a steady structure and and some flow to it, like some form of uh, well, just like a verse. Cor- not I'm not talking lyrics here or singing, but if you create a piece of music and it has movement, but it sort of has repetition like a verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus sort of structure, Yeah, that is kind of doing them a favor. That's doing the listener a favor. Like you're not just... Oh yeah, it's very generous. It's generous of the artist because you and I, I think both have uh, some experience with improvised music or free music. And you have long, I think in your general approach, you are within the realm of a free musician. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Whatever that term might mean for anyone. Right. So what I'm saying is, this feels a little less abstract on the one hand in terms of the musical beds. They feel more comfortable. You could have a lie, you could have a nap on one of your musical beds here, whereas before, in some, and and even on this record too, there are instances where you're like, this is not a comfortable bed. I need to, like, I I get it. It's cool, but I can't deal with it. So there's, you're saying something happened where you wanted to try to make some of these beds a bit more comfortable. Well, yeah, I, um, I just, I, I, I really want to be like, um, I want to be 
a like an accessible figure, you know. And I was saying this before. Um, I've said this before, but I. It's not that I think that my past work has been inaccessible. Um, it's just that it takes um, an attention that maybe I'm not. Maybe I don't warrant that attention from a string from somebody who's never heard of me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's self indulgent to assume that uh, you know. Tom, Dick, and Harry are going to want to, you know, listen to my 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 twenty song, uh, you know, whatever. So, well, I don't. By the way, I don't view this as some kind of compromise or or something where you. Right. I, I think accessibility gets a bad rap sometimes, and of course, I'm not no, suggesting and, that. Yeah, you're not selling out or anything. I'm just no. saying. Okay, just yeah, making the, sure and we're this, clear. And the, and the same the same narrative arc. That exists in because I'm an album guy, so the same, the same uh, rises and falls, and the same sequencing is present on this record, despite the the shortened track list. The shortened track list was merely a shape for people to see and to say, okay, you know, I can I can hit shuffle on this, I can hit play on this, and I don't know shit about this guy because, you know, I want more, I want I want as many listeners as possible. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to yeah, grow, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to grow, yeah. and I feel like if I I felt like this year right now, you know, people might have wanted, you know, I, the reason why I made 20 song albums was because it felt important and it felt necessary to do. Right. So, but now it just doesn't right now. So I felt like, um, I felt like it was, um, a, a way for me to, to open myself up to, you know, anybody who doesn't care about me (laughs) and who might just want to see what I'm all about. You know, this is the project that I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm putting forward, um, to really speak for my greater body of work. Okay. That, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Now, one of the things I, I will do now to potentially counter the accessibility or ease of accessibility conversations we've been, conversation we've been having is ask you about the vocals. Uh, I've kind of, I'm a little fixated on the multi-layered vocals that you tend to employ, because I think, on the one hand, it creates an interesting effect. On another, I feel like it creates an opaqueness. Uh, there is a willful, enigmatic quality to multilayering one's voice. Some people do it for all sorts of reasons. They create harmonies or whatever. You have a very unique and distinct way of doing multilayered vocals. Can you talk about that in the context of this particular record? Why do so many of the songs, if not all of them, I don't have them all in front of me because I'm talking to you. I'm yeah. not listening to your album right now, but I feel like most of them contain multiple versions of you singing. And I find that fascinating given how how in the moment the original vocal line likely was. Yeah. <laughs> that you had to take the time to match that instinctual expression. What is going on there with your approach to vocals on this record? Well, for me, it's like, you know, I'm very, it's, it's, it's a textural thing. Um, I think that the content is important, you know, so I don't want it to be overlooked just because of uh, its inintelligibility, maybe. But uh, I don't know if I just used the right word. It um, is the, No, it's the exact right word, and it does impact that. It does impact yeah. our ability to, to basically understand what you're saying. And I know that yeah. some people, singing, as you probably know, I'm sure you do, maybe you don't because you do everything mostly yourself, but any band will tell you that as soon as the they go to record something, uh, 
when the drummer and the bass player, when the basic bed tracks are done, one of the hardest things then is for the vocalist to be on their own singing, uh, you know, mm. na- just stark naked in the studio, basically, like on their own singing. Like it can be a, it's a very unusual thing that we have set up here that someone goes into an isolation booth by themselves yeah, yeah. and just sings. Well, and so yeah. a lot of the multi-layered vocals and whatnot and the, I feel, and the mixing, I feel like some people are self-conscious about their singing, so they hide yeah. it. They disguise it a little bit. And so I don't want to, this is not meant to be a psychological del- deep dive into you, but when someone like you takes a, a vocal line and submerges it, in this case, in other vocal lines, I wonder if that's psychological. Like you have intent, you say, you had things you want to say, but you're kind of hiding them, wouldn't you say? Well... I don't want to be, again, going back to the heavy-handedness, I want my voice to play the same role that the instruments play in my music. A texture. And so that is yeah, to, a texture. Yeah, it's a texture, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it's only there to convey th- emotion and thought so, and spark it. So for me, my voice plays the role of like, you know when you're like, I don't know if you have memories of like being a baby, like on your mother's, like like chest in your mother's arms, you know, uh, and the quality yeah, that their voice sure. plays, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. quality that their voice has, it's like just, uh, I don't know, it's uh, it's just like... Um, it's like comforting and, and familiar. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Familiar and comforting, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you want the vocals, so that's, your vocals to have the same kind of texture, like to your point, as a baby, you may not have the faculty to understand what is being said but you get that there's a deep meaning behind the sound of someone's voice. Uh, Absolutely. Right. So you're viewing your voice the same way. Okay, I can appreciate that, and I'm glad I asked these questions because, frankly, I think they're pretty good questions, and uh, you've done a good job answering them. But (laughs) I do now want to get back to potential intent, lyrical meaning. Yeah. Looking back on this record, knowing that... By the way, you say we mentioned the hour you know, roughly you have about an hour. Uh, it's like you're a spy and you need to complete a mission each song, it sounds like. You have an hour deadline. How many days was were you spending making this particular record? But I you know ask? what? It's not really like that. It's not really like I'm squeezing my time in and I'm trying to, like, execute something. It's like like going back to to the preciousness. It's like I, I don't... I don't... My studio isn't, like... A place that I go. It's like <laughs> I like record for five minutes and then I'll drop it and then I'll like make some food, smoke a joint, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, hit the sure. studio again for five minutes, get something yeah. brilliant down, you know, and then leave. It's not like you're, uh, it's not like a sixty-minute clock is running down. No, no, that. I'll like, be like in the studio, in and out, and it's like it'll seem like I'm doing nothing, but I'm just like feathering shit off or like just poking it into the place, and okay. uh, something will take shape. Through okay, the course that's of the day. fair. Yeah, that's fair. So, so you don't know how many days you spent, or or do you do you know like the rough? How about this? Do you have a rough idea of when you started this record? You said you kind of wrapped it up around March, but how? What time frame of your life? Months, weeks? Do you have a sense of when you started and when it ended? Yeah. Well, actually, I finished it maybe mid-April. I remember it was past my birthday. I was working on my birthday, so happy happy birthday! I forgot to send you a note. Oh gosh, no! It's so no, you know, it's so meaningless. But thank you, <laughs> thank you, some, thank you, thank you. Meaning, thank you. It's 
birthdays are important. It's not me. Yeah, but no, you don't have to feel any, you know, of course. No, I'll Um, get over it. (laughs) So you ended mid-April, started... Probably July last year. July. Okay, so quite a a time span. Okay. So the reason I ask this is because I do think of you as a time and place person. If you can kind of think about this record now that it's been out a little while, can you kind of sense an overarching theme in terms of what your intent lyrically really was. You said you had that springboard, that list of springboard ideas, but when you actually now contemplate the the final sequence of this record and, and what's going on, do you have a sense of that? What is going on on this record in terms of what you were feeling, what it might be? I don't want to say what it was about because that's too heavy-handed, mm. but do you have a sense of where these songs might be coming from, particular thoughts or moods that... Uh, yeah. you as you listen back? Yeah, well, you know, personally, I struggle so much with uh, authority and establishment and, um, uh, you know, the, the, the social structures and, the, and, and, and societal norms. I'm really just confronting my ego in the face of society and trying to uh, come to grips with my difficulties um my difficulties in life yeah and i think that uh i am just trying to express sentiments of just anti-authority anti-authority all the way a thousand percent well you seem there's the anti-authority thing but you generally just seem anti-convention uh, yeah and and and, exactly. the, and the way that authority figures assume convention is the only way to go yeah, authority uh, is just a target. Is just an easier target. Well, you have a song here called "Fact Almighty," which I thought was interesting, given even what we've just been talking about. Like this the notion that there's only a one right way or one right thing to think. Yeah, uh, and I'm not saying that's what that song is necessarily about, but even as a title, that's fascinating. Um, oh, I'm glad to hear that. That was that was that was in the springboard for sure. That title. I think all of yeah. those song titles were in the springboard. Is it possible? Are you the type of person where the song title has nothing to do with what you're talking about in the song? No, no. It's always like actually the opposite. It's like for me, my song titles are like the flags in the ground. You know, it's like I really put my foot okay. down on my foot title on my song titles. <laughs> I call them foot okay. titles. <laughs> put my foot down on them though. Yeah. Okay, that's good to hear. Well, now. We are in this moment of of suspension. I, I don't. What are you kind of doing uh, in this period of suspension to, you know, kind of uh, keep present? I suppose, or are you even doing that? What do you, in terms of getting the word out about this record and and and, and those sorts of things? Uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, streaming performances and and re- recording canned videos and and you know of performances. Yeah. Are you engaging? Are you engaging with that stuff? Yeah, well, I've done a few. Um, I'm in this beautiful location, so like, I feel like I have something to offer. You know, if I was in the city, I wouldn't bother. I would refuse every single one. But I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm in this beautiful nature, and I'm able to shoot something that I think other people are, you know, always in their studios and whatnot. So, and it pertains to my work and whatever. So, I've done a few concerts, and I think I'll do a couple more um, until it snows. But otherwise. I'm like recording like crazy. I have like uh, a new project with Romy done, ready to go. Oh, okay. Um, just finished. Uh, just finished putting it together last night, 
And uh, just last night you did that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but also <laughs> I'd been we, we, like my, pro, my I've been I've been moving a lot faster, you know, because my like I said, I had that tour that broke up like the recording. And I didn't have like drums and bass with me, so that's why I didn't. You know, I would have probably finished the record last year if I had what I have now. So this record that Romy and I made, I started working on it like August, and it's done now. So and it's 15 songs. It's huge, massive record, and um, I think uh, I'm going to try and put it out before the end of the year. Now, for people who don't know, uh, you mentioned Romy Lightman. And Romy, uh, with her twin sisters, Sari, are in a are are they still in a band called Tassiomancy? Yeah, they have an amazing record that's ready to go. To uh, okay, lots of records in the can. Yeah. And so, what is the? This is a project between you and Romy. Does it have a name? Yeah, we're called the Lightman Jarvis Ecstatic Band. Oh, well, that's that's vaguely reminds me of like. You know, the Plastic Ono Band or something. Yeah, good. That's a great beacon for us is uh, Yoko and John. We love them. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. so uh, so we may, at some point, we'll see this come out somehow. Yeah, I think I'll probably just put it out myself because the music is, is much too urgent to... Uh, I hope I hope a label picks it up. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody will be interested because this music is earth-shattering. Truly. Well, I want to hear it. I want to hear it as soon as possible. So yeah. Just let... You have one excited fan so far, Eve, if that makes any difference to you. Absolutely. Okay. All and right. it's been under wraps, so, so uh, this is this is the announcement right here. So I'm glad you're... Thank you. I'm glad you're... Thanks for the, the, the hot tip, and I appreciate that you've been recording a lot. So that means... Uh, when you say you've been recording a lot, it's not just for that project. Yourself as well? Yeah. I, I, I hope to have a solo record uh, in the new year sometime in the first front of the in the front of the new year that'd be great yeah i'm able to i'm I, I for the first time in years since i since high school is the first time i've had really a complete studio um with the drums and the bass and everything so um i'm making noise and i'm working at a pace that i haven't in years so i think that oh, that's be great really possible yeah that's that's really great so if people want to learn more about you and your work using technology the internet where would you send them? I would say Instagram because, I, like I said, I've got a lot of great content there of me just outside with the full setup um, using uh, using the elements to my advantage. Um, beautiful shots, beautiful uh, improvs, uh, some some video, some some good video on my Instagram. I think. Yeah. Okay, and you're, I, fo- I think I, fo- I follow you on your Instagram. What is your Instagram? Is it just Eve Jarvis? That's right, yeah. Okay, at Eve Jarvis. Okay, cool. Now, if there's one song from uh, this album that we've been talking about, uh, Sundry Rock Song Stock. By the way, hell of a title. What the, What does that mean? Yeah, it was like, um, it's just, um, I wanted to address that it was uh, rock songs, like rock music. I'm surrounded by, I'm on the shield, so the rock is is prevalent in my life. Um, the hardness, the hardness is important. Density, um, it's all, it's all uh, related. But um, also just <laughs> sundry, I wanted it to be like, I just wanted it to be like a contrived, uh, a highfalutin way of saying uh, album, rock album. Because right. um, people are so, I mean, I I feel like because I am such a 
like dynamic songwriter. Like I feel like genre is always a conversation with me, and I just wanted to, you know, from personally, if you're asking me, it's just rock. It's just it's just rock, experimental rock. Mm-hmm. It's folk. No, I- it's yeah. you know elements of everything you could call it folk too experimental folk but um this record is a rock record um so i want to just leave it at that you know no r&b okay. no you know no not, not even really i mean i'll i'll say folk or, or rock so it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of a pushback against how you've been generically pigeonholed in the past yeah definitely i wanted to i wanted to like just have the final say on it. I can appreciate that you would want to do that. I remember we caught, we talked about this the last time that people kind of assume you're one thing and you're like, what? Like I maybe a little bit, but I'm not any one thing. Like, so this is sort of tongue in cheek, but also purposeful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, where I was going with this is, oh yeah. Can you, so to end this thing, I I hope you can pick a song from the, the newest album for us to go out on and, and if you can do that, if you can do that and also tell us why you chose it, that would be great. Do you have something in mind? Yeah, well, my favorite song on the record is, I think, Notch in Your Belt. Oh, now why, why, why is that? Why is it your favorite and why did that uh, come to mind? Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's not Notch in Your Belt. Maybe actually, maybe it's... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Emerald. Emerald is... Yeah. Yeah, I, I like for props. I like uh, Ambrosia is kind of weird. I like Emerald. Okay, yeah, whatever you want is fine by me. But you you just second-guessed yourself and yeah, undercut just because one me- of your own little songs. You said Notch in Your Belt was your favorite, and then now you're playing them against each other <laughs> and went with Emerald, so they're going to be upset. Which one, which one do you think? I think Emerald. Okay. Any yeah, particular this- reason why? Yeah, well, I just think um, the sounds are, they feel really nice. The sounds feel amazing on that song. I think that okay. uh, the lyrics are, you are adorned, sapphire jewelry, emerald wreaths, diamond ruby, aquamarine, um, amethyst rings. To me, it was just like, um, it's it's um, it's it's an ode to beauty. It's... Uh, it's like a gift to somebody else or it's for yourself. Um, I thought of it being like something you could play at your funeral. Um, literally. Um, I think it would be a good funeral what do you mean, song. What do you mean literally? You can't literally play something at your own funeral. You're dead. Yeah, but arrange it. Put it in the will or whatever. Put it in the, Make arrangements oh. so that Emerald can play at your funeral. I think it'll be apt. Okay, I'll take care of that after. I'll contact my lawyer and make those revisions, but that's fine. Okay, uh, by the way, you don't write down your songs. Like, you don't write them. Uh, so that means lyrics as well. Do you, once you've recorded a song uh, and the words, do you write it down after? Uh, yeah, I do. I like that's That's a really fun part of the process for me. I love, like just like how exciting it is for me to listen to a mixed like when it's mixed having those stream of consciousness lyrics be written down and see the seeing the form seeing the form uh that that was that was that was being very nearsighted it was being very nearsighted um as following it you know um and to 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 like uh step back from away from that and to be able to look at the 
the posture and the shape of the the lyric is a really exciting thing for me because yeah this the 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 stories and the narratives that are like begging me to be told and expressed uh in the music are um yeah they are <laughs> okay i appreciate that i appreciate that this is emerald by Eve Jarvis. Uh, Eve, thank you so much for returning to this show and making time for me again. It's always a, a pleasure, and I, I wish you the best luck with everything going forward, and I hope we talk soon. Thank you, Vish, for your time. I really appreciate your, your support and your platform and talking to you.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ah, it's very nice to have Eve Jarvis back on the show, this time for the 581st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and uh, is available wherever it is you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or what have you. It's there. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my uh, monthly monthly newsletter. I have a monthly newsletter. You can sign up for that too. All of these things, you can do all of these things at my website, vishkana.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at vishkana. You can follow me on Twitter at vishkana. Or you can follow the show on Twitter directly at vishcreative. Also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast from now and into the future. Your monthly donations really do sustain the podcast and any do- donations, uh, $6 or more, if you if you donate $6 or more a month, you get access to exclusive audio content. So that's pretty good. So whatever you can donate, that would be great. Go to patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to live at massyhall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. They're starting to slowly build that uh, library up a little bit. They recently added a Kathleen Edwards concert, which tells me maybe they've got some more stuff coming. So yeah, live at MasseyHall.com for more info about that. Also, Pete's Trocadero, the bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. They all have my gratitude for their in-kind support for this show. Also, my friend Jim Guthrie loans me some music for the podcast. You can learn more about Jim at JimGuthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Eve. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I always like talking to Eve. Also, uh, if you want to tell your friends about uh, Creative Control and ask them to you know, check out the show, maybe consider subscribing to it uh, or what have you, that would be great. Following it somehow, that would be awesome. But if you don't want to do that and you just want to listen, that's fine too. Thank you very much for doing this. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com